Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Everyone's potential is boundless and you nobody else knows that. So everyone's constraints are very artificial, I think. I think we are all operating in this world of this person said or this person thought you're dictated by the norms around you as opposed to what you yourself know about yourself. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the Vice President of Cloud and Security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. Today's personal spot is about how important it is for us to take care of our bodies and our minds and our health when we're so driven and it's so hard because I definitely have destroyed myself over the last couple of weeks. I went from moving and being fit and eating clean and sleeping sufficiently to back to my old ways, which are sleeping three to four hours a night, grabbing whatever sugar or quick food that I can find and uh, not minding myself, sitting at a computer all day long, not even knowing there's an outside that exists. And it's just not good. I feel the dramatic difference between how I was living and how I'm currently living. And I want to switch back to how I was like, I cannot be as an effective leader as I'd like to be if I'm just destroying myself like this. I cannot serve well. I cannot show up well energetically. And so like I'm running on fumes and on adrenaline because everything is so exciting. But if I want to be the best I could be, I mean, it's so cliche, but it's really I need to take care of myself. So this is just almost like a personal spot to myself, like get your ish together, (laughs) like go for a walk. Um, I I know I'm going to make the moves to uh, to start to transform. And that transformation will happen right now. It's happening right now. All right. Enjoy the next episode. Bye. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Arthi, coming at us from San Francisco. Hello. Welcome to the show. Esprit, thank you so much for having me. I'm elated to have you, particularly because you champion community, and that is something that I stand for and love, and I'm so excited to get into it. But before that, why don't you formally introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Uh, My name is Aarti Ramamurthy. I'm based in San Francisco. I work my entire life in technology. I started out, I was born in India, moved here 15 years ago. 
worked at everything from Xbox, Netflix, uh, Facebook, built the Facebook groups and communities, payments for creators, started two companies and sold both of them. And then most recently, I worked at Clubhouse uh, scaling their international product. And I'm a creator myself. And, uh, you know, communities is something I really, really love and enjoy, love serving. So I'm really excited to be here. And I want to talk about your show, too. And I know you know that I was the face of Clubhouse. So we both have that, like, just beautiful essence of the opportunity yes. and abundance Clubhouse has brought to so many people's lives. So I want to get into all the things. But first, let's talk about your show. Uh, tell us about your show and where to tune in. The show that I co-host, my husband and I, we co-host this together. It's called The Good Time Show. It's uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe to it. It's called The Good Time Show by Arthi and Shriram. The, you know, the foundation behind this, we started this a couple of years ago. And initially, we started it audio only on Clubhouse. Uh, and now we've scaled it to both Clubhouse and YouTube. So we do some audio only sessions, and then we do uh, YouTube as well. And, you know, the premise of the whole thing, when we started out, uh, it was like thick of the pandemic. We really wanted, uh, you know, conversations that were optimistic. So techno-optimistic conversations with founders, builders, creators, people who are basically tinkering and doing anything, building something uh, for the world. And we wanted to bring them to the platform, give them a voice and get them to tell their story. And that was our way of paying it forward in the sense uh, technology has given me everything. It's given my husband everything. We wouldn't be here doing what we do without tech. And so we just thought this would be a really fun way to just pay it forward. Uh, and we started the show, um, not assuming anything big. And things really started taking off when we had, you know, some tech folks were well known. We had Elon Musk on the show. We had Mark Zuckerberg on the show. And it really started taking off. And then we started getting not just uh, tech founders, but other creators, um, people who are like really good at music and sports and entertainment. And it was just really nice to see how uh, they were able to come on and tell their story. And so that's what we do. It's called The Good Time Show. And that's kind of where you can find us. I'm curious, do you consider yourself an audio first creator or a video first creator? We were audio first for a very long time. So I still consider myself audio first. Videos does not come very naturally to me. So I'm really grateful that this is audio only. Uh, but we are getting used to it slowly. It's been three months uh, of us uh, experimenting with video. And, you know, there are like good days and bad days. But I consider myself audio first. If you had an ask of everybody listening, and I know it's super early, but I'm so excited to have a fellow podcaster on, what would the ask be to support and accelerate your show? Subscribe to us, join us. You know, we are on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, like wherever you can find podcasts. We are also on YouTube. So join us, uh, you know, leave us comments, tell us what who you'd like to see, what you like or don't like about the show. You know, we're still early. We're still trying to learn. So Anything you can uh, contribute to helping us get better would be really, really helpful. Amazing. So just search The Good Time Show. And if you all don't mind taking a second to leave her a review when you're listening, that would be amazing. It helps every single podcaster. So I want to get into community. You're both in the creator economy as well as a person in tech. So mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about the creator economy first, because we were just talking about the podcast. When did you identify as a creator? It's still not very natural to me. Uh, it doesn't come to me naturally when I 
call myself a creator because we started doing this purely because, you know, it was nights and weekends. We had some free time. Yeah, I have two kids. One is a six month old. So, you know, I'm pretty busy. And so when the kids are in bed, um, you know, I, you know, my husband and I would be uh, like, we, we would love to like host these dinners if we used to do pre-pandemic. Uh, we can't do them anymore because no one's meeting in person. And so that's kind of how the Clubhouse show started. And so creator as a word doesn't come supernaturally to me. But, you know, now it's it's the point where I think the future is going to be where everyone's a creator in some way or the other. This is where the economy is going. And we are, you know, at, while I was working at Meta and even at Clubhouse, a lot of the work that I did was to empower creators. So build tools for them, build infrastructure for creators, build monetization frameworks, things like that. So I feel very passionately about helping creators be successful, but um, I'm still very new um, in being called a creator myself. And let's dive into Clubhouse. Rather than talking about the app, because a lot of people already know about the app, I'm really curious to have a conversation with you about the magic of community and what it takes to build community. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement in being a community magnifier, really? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I th- My job, my role at Clubhouse was to uh, head um, all things that were uh, – you know, scaling the product internationally. So outside of the US, we saw a lot of communities, especially as uh, we launched Android, a lot of markets outside the US, you know, are Android first. And so uh, what started happening was Clubhouse as a platform really started taking off where we could see, like, for example, in India, we started seeing, you know, the rooms around Bollywood movies and cricket and, you know, music and things like that. But we also started seeing, some really niche communities around, you know, religious prayers or news events, local news that's happening in this neighborhood, like that kind of thing. And it was just it really special. And similarly, in Japan, we started seeing rooms around uh, anime and manga and, uh, you know, these very like, you know, cultural specific communities. And that was great to see when the Olympics came in. We saw a lot of Olympics uh, rooms in Tokyo uh, and so it, I think for me, it was just really interesting to see the diversity of people coming together and creating these rooms and having these conversations and being able to find their tribe, so to speak, within mm-hmm. the platform. And that was just so fun, so powerful, because at the end of the day, this is kind of what you realize, where we all try and search for, you know, companionship, friendship people who are similar to ourselves, seek inspiration from each other. And I'm really glad that I played a very small role in enabling that. This is something I think about a lot. What do you think we could do just as human beings to cultivate community, not so much relying on any app, like putting the technology aside? What do we need to think about? One of the things I say is find a local coffee house and just start Mm -hmm. inviting people. What do you think we need to think about to begin supporting our local communities, if that makes sense. I I mean, I think what you said, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, Look around you physically. I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, especially in this world of creator economy, they start thinking about communities as this online first, online centric uh, entity. And that doesn't, it's it's true, but it doesn't always have to be just that. It's not exclusive. Um, You can just look around physically in your neighborhood. How do you support your neighborhood? You know, how do you support your local stores, coffee shops, like you said? I think it starts there from like a local standpoint. Um, If you're looking at online communities, 
um uh, you know one thing that i'd like to i i'd like to focus on is find similarities not differences mm. and the world has become so polarized where it's so easy to to come together because uh there are a few people who all despise something or hate something or you know and it doesn't have to be that way and you you can you can come together because you love something and you find something similar to each other which is um uh, you know which provides meaning and it could be a you know a new hobby that you picked up it could be a book club it could be anything that's just similar to each other um and i think you know that those could be like a really good first steps towards finding communities yeah and you know this i think the secret sauce so to speak and this is your everybody's going to roll their eyes i genuinely think the secret sauce to being a community builder is genuinely caring it, i think so yeah don't look for thought leadership don't look for ego genuinely care and that yeah. will change all your choices and decisions on how you how you lead I think yeah I think you're totally right I think it's about like being authentic uh not trying to like you know be somebody else but also I think truly coming from a place of wanting to serve others mm-hmm. um and wanting to um do better for the ecosystem for the community overall and I I know it sounds like such a cliche but when you come from a point of uh doing service or for paying it forward I think then I think at some point you stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about everybody else rising up and like the tide rising overall and I think that is kind of where you know lies true happiness completely completely agree you've moved out of being part of these huge tech companies to being an investor and and to being a content creator and mm-hmm. to doing your own thing what's that been like and what have you taken with you from these corporate experiences that have really helped empower you in living the independent life now uh it's been really interesting i think working on products like you know facebook communities facebook groups creator payment tools monetization that kind of thing uh and then now being a creator um and you know i'm still very firmly entrenched in tech uh i think for me it gives me this perspective of seeing you know both sides of the equation because while i was working on facebook groups i was not a creator you know i was building all these creator tools but without being one it's kind of hard to see how exactly the tools that i i had been building are being mm-hmm. leveraged and now i have that perspective and i feel like now it's made me much more well-rounded mm-hmm. and made me much more empathetic towards what it takes to be a creator especially if you're a creator who looks to being a full-time creator for sustenance you know this is kind of what you do uh, for a livelihood on a day-to-day basis i think you know there are lots of uh, avenues lots of social media platforms uh but there are also lots and lots of challenges and i think uh, now it's just given me much better perspective as uh, as a person who's both built the technology and also is now been uh, is a creator i just feel like i i have there's just more nuance to the thinking on what it takes to build tools for creators now A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I want to get into how you even got interested into technology in the first place. How old were you? What was the thing that happened that kind of started to set the path to where you are today? Um, I just happened to be really lucky. I've always been interested in computers. I, I think I started writing code when I was 13. Um, That's it, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, one of those like typical nerds. Um, and, and, you know, 
I didn't realize, like only when I came to the US, I realized that nerds could be used in like in a in a not so nice way. I always thought nerds was like the highest compliment anybody could ever get. And so I always pause before I say that. But, you know, I started writing code very early on. My dad bought uh, a PC. Uh, I think it was a secondhand computer. And uh, I started like tinkering with it and started like writing some basic code. And then, you know, uh, took computer science in high school, really started falling in love with it. Yeah, at that point, you know, it was like right when I was going into college was, you know, right after the dot-com bust and, you know, everybody was staying away from computers, at least in India. And for me, it was like, I just didn't think there was another path. Like I -hmm. had to go do this. So I ended up joining Microsoft even um, a year before I even graduated and started working on like really low level developer tools. So, you know, super geeky stuff and like writing like binders, compilers, that kind of thing. And then ended up working on Xbox, the gaming platform. That was really fun. Learned a lot. Really, really smart people. It just, you know, I could not believe that Microsoft was like actually paying me for doing this. Um, <laughs> and it's just really, really fun experience. So that was kind of my first foray into like technology and computers. I have a master's in computer science. So by the time I graduated, computers became cool again. And there were like lots and lots of interesting startups and, you know, tech was like really booming again. So in a way, I just became, I got really lucky because mm-hmm. if I had graduated during the dot-com bust, I would have probably, you know, not found the success that I have had now. Um, and so just right place, right time and finding this this interest in computers very early on and just sticking with it. And did you have a mentor? Actually, early in the days, uh, uh, back then I did not because I didn't really know. I was too introverted, too intimidated to actually reach out and talk to anybody else. So no, not really. But, you know, there are always people who we'd like look up to, both me and my uh, husband, then boyfriend. Uh, we would, you know, our, one of our first uh, date movies was a pirated copy of uh, <laughs> pirated, Pirates of Silicon Valley. I where, love it. You know, there's this guy, you know, who, who plays Steve Jobs. And he has this very passionate first dialogue where he's like, if you can make a dent in the universe, why wouldn't you? And we were like, yeah, like, why wouldn't you? And, you know, it just we were very young and impressionable back then. And uh, so I didn't quite have mentors as such, but I had, you know, I just looked up to a lot of these like tech founders and, you know, entrepreneurs who like kind of made it in Silicon Valley. And so for us, like doing what I'm doing now was the ultimate holy grail, like living in San Francisco, working in tech. Um, you know, I still, there are days when I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's it's great. It's so cool. And you're an investor now. Do you want to give a shout out to some, or maybe, maybe you, you don't yeah. want to like pick a favorite. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, say, you could list them all. Like, do you want to give a shout out to some of them? Yeah. Yeah. No, there are a lot, there are a few companies I've been doing some sort of like, you know, angel investing for the last three, four years, maybe a little longer. I think I have about 25 ish companies in my portfolio. So cool. Um, and you know, every one of them is just really interesting, really special. Uh, a lot of them, when I first started angel investing, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, um, my startup was Y Combinator backed. So what I would do is, uh, Y Combinator is a startup incubator in Silicon Valley. And I would go, they would have these, uh, uh, one day events called demo days where you know you do a three month program as a part of this incubator and on demo day you basically quote unquote graduate and you present your company to a bunch of investors and so uh, all of these companies um, in, in the future batches what they would do is that they 
a few days before the demo day event, they would host an alumni demo day, which is basically people who are in the YC ecosystem like me can attend and basically show up and support these companies. And if you want to invest, that's great. But really, you're just like cheering for these companies and giving these founders practice to speak in front of these investors before the real demo day happens. Um, and so I would go show up and I started really getting interested in some of these companies, mostly because uh, I just wanted to learn. And uh, I didn't know anything about these spaces. So I was like, well, I would just reach out to the founders and they'd be like, yeah, you know, um, I'd like, and and I would obviously like, I would offer help on like product strategy or hiring or wherever they need help. And then I started getting into like, maybe I should like just invest a little bit and get started. So that's kind of how it started. It was very organic and it's been great to go learn you know, I think last batch in YC, I invested in about three companies and then uh, other companies outside of YC too. Like one of my favorites is uh, this uh, rocket building company. So they build 3D printed mm -hmm. rockets and they're based in Chennai in India, which is the city that I'm from. So it's extra special for me. And uh, these two founders are basically, you know, anywhere in the world, they can basically 3D print a rocket and ship it in three days and launch so cool. uh, things into space. And it sounds so crazy and audacious, but that's kind of what I love. And I know nothing about space tech. So I really wanted to go learn and uh, just, you know, reached out to the founder and uh, decided to invest. And I've just learned a lot there. So I mostly do this for my own learning, but some of it is to just figure out how to be helpful to the founder. And you realize that for a lot of these founders, the the investment definitely helps. But really more than that, I think the mentorship, uh, product experience, um, ability to like help them with uh, hiring or whatever, you know, leadership uh, issues, problems, crisis they have, um, that like that seems much more valuable to them. So I just try to like help them. As you're sharing with me, it reminds me so many people ask me, like, how do you be a founder? How do you start a startup? Like, it's everybody's always looking for the right or wrong answer. And what I love about what you shared is you're leading with curiosity. That's all life is at the end of the day. It's one big right. adventure and a curious journey. And in a, in a lot of cases, there's no right or wrong. I always say your intuition is your oracle. I just yeah. I love your how you're leading with curiosity. Oh, thank it, you. Of course. What is one huge obstacle in your career that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Obstacle in my career. The, you know, I think I, I started uh, two startups, I co-founded two companies. And uh, when I, the first one, I had no idea what I was doing. Right To your point, uh, you know, there is no like real right time uh, answer to should I start a company? And I had no idea. Like I had a few friends who were doing it. I had ideas, but really, what else should I know, do? Am I capable of this? No clue. Um, and so I think part of it is like just going through building two companies. And it took me years, you know, between once I was done with both companies, it was like seven and a half, eight years or something like that. And I'd learned so much. It was also like, like you know, every business owner, startup founder, entrepreneur says this, where the highs are incredibly high, the lows mm -hmm. are really low. Yeah. And sometimes you go through both the highs and lows on the same day. Totally. And, and you know, it's, 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 uh, it's very hard to explain to somebody who hasn't been through the journey. And so for me, uh, just going through that, and now that I've come out of it, and then I've like worked at all these like other much bigger companies, you realize that once you have that mindset of being a founder, you can basically tackle anything. So mm -hmm. it, it doesn't quite um, 
answer your question directly, but I think the biggest obstacle that uh, I overcame is something I realized only much later that, you know, starting a company and going through that whole thing was like much harder than it looked when I was actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when I came out of it, like every other problem that I've had in in from a work standpoint doesn't really seem like that hard a problem because, you know, you're trying to fundraise, you're trying to do customer support, you're trying to you know, at, at one point I realized that when I was on a call with a customer, we ran out of printer ink. So I had to like run to Costco and grab a toner and you have to kind of like do everything at the same time. And, uh, and you, you, your brain and imagination stretches way beyond your, you think you're capable of that you can really do anything after that. hundred percent. Essentially being a founder is being a professional problem solver. Totally. Yeah. And it really, I, I genuinely think, and I'm sure a few years down the road, somebody is going to do some study on how the brain chemistry changes if you're, when you're a founder or when you mm. go through adversity like that. But I truly think it it sets you up in a way which is just undescribable. And you can see this in people who, the people who have the founder mindset and people who don't. 100%. A couple quick fire questions. First of all, how can, how can everybody connect with you? Where should they find you? I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, the usual social channels. Twitter is the easiest way to reach out. DM should be open. I'm R-T-R. That's my first name and last initial. And that's the easiest way to reach out to me. And can you spell it for everybody? That's A-A-R-T-H-I-R. And a couple quick fire uh, questions. Who is a must follow? Could be a podcaster, someone on Twitter, an author, a YouTuber? Oh, interesting. Hmm. I, it really depends. I mean, obviously I would love for you to uh, follow uh, the Good Time Show. You know, we do post a lot about just, you know, content that you should follow, discover, that kind of thing. Um, Some people recently, I mean, I've been really getting into uh, space tech, like I'd mentioned, and there are a few Twitter accounts like NASA and stuff that I've just started like really getting into. That's been really fun. Um, I am doing a lot uh, of just exploratory work in Web3 and crypto. So I follow a few people there. So I, you know, I don't really have uh, specific accounts to go follow. Well, okay, here's one. Mark Andreessen is, uh, you know, a Silicon Valley OG is an investor, yes. founder himself. Um, his is one of the accounts that I love following. And, you know, Mark is somebody who I really uh, admire, respect, um, and he's kind of a role model for me. And so maybe if I had to pick one account, maybe his. That's a good one. And best piece of advice you've gotten that has really supported you uh, along your journey? One of my friend's dad said said this, and uh, uh, and it kind of struck me and she, you know, she posted this on her social media page. So it didn't really directly come from the dad, but she said something like her dad used to always tell her, don't let anyone tell you what you can or cannot do. You are the only one who knows the limits to what you are capable of. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so cliche and tacky and, you know, it just, it's just, it's not something that you know, people generally talk about, but I genuinely think uh, everyone's potential is boundless and you nobody else knows that. So everyone's constraints are very artificial, I think. I think we are all operating in this world of this person said or this person thought or, you know, every you, you're dictated by the norms around you as opposed to what you yourself know about yourself. So you you have to figure out like what your constraints are. Don't let anybody else tell you that, which is something I love. 
I love that. I absolutely love that. And last question. I'm very curious. I don't ask this on many episodes, but with you in particular, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what you say. What is the advice you'd give your 18-year-old self? To not be afraid. Um, and uh, I was very introverted, painfully shy. You know, my assumptions on oh, why would this person ever help me? Or why would this company ever like offer me a job? Or all of those were just in my head, mostly because nobody knew. Nobody knew what I was thinking. Nobody knew that I was actually looking or like wanted something. So I think I would just go tell myself to like stop being afraid um, and just go speak up. Like all you have to do is ask. And at the worst case, you're going to get a no. And, um, you know, to this day, I think about that because um, the, like when I look at like other people I mentor, especially, you know, women, women from India, I talk to a lot of them to figure out like how I can be helpful in their career path or whatever. And so one thing I tell them, it's like nobody knows what you're thinking or what you want to do. And the moment you say it out loud and you, the moment you express it, you will realize that there is like a mini community that just stands up to like support you. And it's been true every single time. And so just speak up and not be afraid. Again, sounds like a cliche, but I think there's something to it. You know, my, my favorite piece of advice, my mom has said my entire career, she's like, Esprit, every no is one step closer to a yes. And it's just true. Find, it's yeah. true. Yeah. I find that so empowering. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? Uh, I think what you're doing is really great. You know, this is such a powerful, wonderful community. Esprit, don't ever stop doing this. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. No, it's been it, like I've been so looking forward to this all day. If you want to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you talk to you all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. My name is Arthi Ramamurthy. I am an angel investor, product advisor, co-host of The Good Time Show. I'm based in San Francisco, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.